Scripture reading today will come from the book of John, chapters 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Beloved, it's wonderful to see everyone, appreciate everyone that's been here, or that is is here this morning, I should say. Um, And visitors, you are our honored guest, and we're very grateful you've come our way, and we appreciate it so very much. And uh, please come back and be with us, and we appreciate that. Um, Brethren, God's blessed us in so many ways, and um, we have some folk here this morning that want to place membership with us. And um, you all are, are very, very familiar with these folk, I'm sure, most of you. We're going to have them stand anyway, and that's Corey and Bridget and Sarah Russell, their daughter Sarah. If you all would stand for just a minute, okay? And um, we appreciate them very much, brethren. These are dedicated servants of the Lord, and every organization needs servants, amen? And the Lord's church especially needs servants. So we appreciate you guys and appreciate the fact that they want to um, throw in their lot with us, as the Bible would say, and we appreciate it very much, okay? Um, let's do go to God in prayer at this time. Father, we appreciate Corey and Bridget and Sarah and the, and the wonderful Christians they are, the dedicated servants they are, Father. And, and we're grateful, God. We, we're blessed that they have decided to uh, place their membership with this congregation in order to serve and work with us as we try to do your will, God. And we just pray that you would um, bless them and use them in this congregation wherever their talents and their gifts may be, and that you would help us to welcome them and to bring them into the fold here as well as we should as God's people. Continue to bless us and watch over us all in every way. And it's in Christ's name we pray, and amen. Beloved, can you all hear me through the mic okay, or do I just need to holler? We good? We Okay. I, I just, I just want to make sure now, okay? Um, <clears throat> and, uh, brethren, we're going to start, uh, I guess you'd call it a mini-series on <clears throat> God's amazing grace. Um, this is going to be a four-part series. And, ho- and what we're going to do, brothers and sisters, is look at it just from the biblical perspective because, as you can imagine, as I wrote about in my bulletin article this morning, there, there's been a lot of, of abuses, uh, and when it comes to teaching God's grace. And, of course, in the Lord's church, we're just going to go by the Bible, and that's what we want to do because we can't add to or take away from that, and we certainly cannot improve on that. And so we're going to be talking about, as we sang, God's amazing grace. And, indeed, it is, brothers and sisters, the greatest uh, theme of the Bible is the amazing grace of God. We began to see it in the book of Genesis, and it's from cover to cover. And John 3.16, as Mason just read, just explains it better than any other verse I believe in the Bible, although there's many, many other verses that we're going to be looking at. And we do invite you, brethren, to please uh, be here for all four of these lessons because they're going to kind of build on each other. I'm going to mention some things, for instance, today that may confuse a few people, and, and you just have to stay with it, okay? And, and hopefully we'll be able to clear things up from God's Word. But, brethren, here's the thing about grace that a lot of people seem to miss is that, one, we must understand God's grace, and by understand, I mean from a biblical standpoint and not what man says about it because man has a lot to say about it, We need to understand it from the Bible and then apply God's grace to our lives. Beloved, without God's grace, it is impossible to be saved. So what is grace? 
You've heard a lot of things, you know. If, if we look at it from a biblical standpoint um, and, and you were to define grace, it would be unmerited, undeserved favor of God towards a sinful, lost, hell-bound mankind. That's what grace is, brethren. God extending his love and mercy to us undeserving sinners. We have done and can do nothing to deserve or earn God's grace. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, if you would. Verses 4 through 10. The, the apostle in the first three verses talks about how we were dead in our sins and transgressions. But what changed that? He's talking to the Christians, at the church in Ephesus. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, again, John three sixteen, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, the, he might show us the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Jesus Christ. Brethren, God's grace is in Christ, and we're going to see that in a little bit. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, and not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Beloved, that is God's grace towards us. You know, if we could work night and day for a lifetime, 24-7, we don't even come close to uh, paying for God's great sacrifice on our behalf. There's a song that we used to sing back in the day. I don't think I've heard it for a long time, but it goes, I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid the debt he did not owe. Brethren, that is God's in us. You know, that is God's grace towards us, brothers and sisters. And, and he gives us what the Bible calls, through his grace, a priceless inheritance. And when did he do this? Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 10, says this. If you want to turn over there very quickly. In Romans 5, beginning of verse 6, and notice our condition when God decides to extend his grace to us. For while, verse 6, for while we were yet sinners, I'm sorry, let me, I'm trying to get ahead of myself. Verse 6, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For a woman would hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. If while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Beloved, Ephesians 2 and Romans 5 put together are just such a marvelous idea and teaching of what God has done for us, brothers and sisters. Did you, did you see when it was that God died for us? When we were really good, deserving people, right? 
No, while we were helpless, while we were sinners, while we were enemies of God. Brethren, that's why we're saved by God. And yet a lot of people today believe they deserve to be saved. I've talked to people about that, you know. People say something along these lines. Well, Brother Green, I don't have to attend church and study the Bible and do all those religious activities you all talk about because God's going to save me by His grace anyway. And others go to the, uh, will say, I'm a good old boy. You know, I, I, I don't drink, smoke, cuss, or, you know, all these other things that we consider common sins, you know. I'm just a good old boy, and God's going to save me. See, there's, these are all abuses of that, brothers and sisters. And then there are those who will even, have even said to me, uh, when we talk about God's grace and how it extends to all of mankind, and, and I've had people actually say to me, God has done nothing for me. He hasn't been merciful to me. He hasn't shown any kind of kindness to me. He hasn't blessed me in any way at all. Now, brothers and sisters, I think sometimes that's through ignorance. I think it's also arrogant and ungrateful. Because I just suppose that if God were to cut off our air supply for, I don't know, four or five minutes, how, how would we be doing? That's God's air we're breathing, right? God has blessed us, brethren, as the Bible says, in ways we don't even know yet. And so the simple fact is, is that no one deserves to be saved. None of us. Being a good old boy, as we say down south, won't get us there. Romans 3.10 describes the mankind as this, there's none righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That includes me and you. We're all sinners. We're in need of the saving grace of God. You know, I often hear people say, and I've had people when I study the Bible with them, they say, Brother Green, I only want what I deserve. <laughs> I don't. Did you really want what you deserve? You know, because brethren, people that say that have this idea that somehow they deserve heaven and all of God's blessings. What we deserve, the Bible teaches very clearly because of our sinfulness, is an eternal life in hell. And if that be so, then anything better than hell is mercy and grace. And so when we view it in that light, brothers and sisters, then we're all, we've all experienced the abundant, amazing grace of God. God's grace is truly amazing. There's no other way you can... You could use other identifying words, of course, to, to add to that, brethren. And the Bible does, as we've already read some of them. But, but you see, uh, it's hard for our human minds to completely understand that. At least it is for me, okay? I can't answer for you. I would imagine it is, brothers and sisters. When some, I can tell you what the Bible says about grace. And when somebody says, well, can you explain to me why God would extend that grace to a sinful, undeserving people? I can't explain that how do you explain the so for God so loved the world how do you explain that brethren how do you how can we humans in the flesh explain that some things we just have to revel in some things we just have to enjoy you know some things we just have to accept and thank God for the Bible talks about sometimes the the indescribable blessings and promises of God Sometimes we just can't describe them. They're just, as, as one of the psalmists says, it's, Lord, the, the things about you are just too marvelous. And so, brethren, we accept them, you know? 
And so that's what we need to do, brethren, because God's grace is certainly amazing, even if we don't completely understand it. And I'm convinced that we won't until we get to heaven. You know, we're going to have some misunderstanding probably, but what has happened, beloved, sadly, in our religiondom, Christendom, whatever you want to term it as, unfortunately, some people have developed false and unscriptural views towards God's grace. They will put their own spin on what God says, and they will tell you. I've, I've had people, when they would say something about God's grace, I'd say, well, show me that in the Bible, and they'll say, I can't, but I feel in my heart. Brethren, we've got to be careful about that because the Bible tells us a man's heart is desperately wicked, and we can't trust it. Amen? Can we agree with that? Okay, I mean, I mean, how many of us have believed we were so right about something only to find out later we were wrong? <laughs> well, I don't like to admit that, but that's the truth. There's a lot of false views concerning God's grace, brothers and sisters. And, and somebody well, Brother Green, are you against God's grace? Certainly not, brethren. But I want us to understand what the Bible says, and only the Bible. One of the large ones, of course, is what's called once saved, always saved, is, is, the, is the, uh, what we would call the, the you know, street term for it, so to speak. And, um, and the the uh, religious terminology is the eternal uh, security of the believer. Um, uh, somebody said to me one time when they were trying to study about this with me, they said, uh, well, uh, preacher, you believe in the eternal security of the believers, don't you? I said, yeah, but I don't believe in once saved, always saved. And that really threw them into kind of a, because they, they teach it, it's basically the same thing. Brethren, does the Bible teach that you can be saved and stay saved and go to heaven and know it? Yeah, amen. Amen. The Bible doesn't teach once saved, always saved the way that mankind teaches it. They say there's no way in the world you can leave God or fall from God's grace. Now, brothers and sisters, the Bible teaches otherwise. And, and again, we're going to be fleshing this out, so to speak, in the next lessons as we look at that. But, but there's those that believe that God's grace is so great that there's nothing you can do to ever fall away from it. Um, and that there's nothing required of us as God's people, because after all, God's grace has covered everything, and we can't do anything anyway. Brethren, that's not what the Bible teaches. There is a marvelous balance, you see. What, there's two extremes, right? There's the, the one that says, once saved, always saved. I've, I've had people say, it doesn't matter what a person does once they're saved. I mean, they can, they can commit the most despicable crime, uh, whatever, and they're still saved, you know. That's the one extreme. The other extreme sometimes, as I see, is what I would call once saved, almost saved. They're those folk that, that won't allow God's grace to do what it's intended to do. And, 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 and they just can't admit that, oh, me, a sinner, can be saved by God's grace. Yes, and so, brethren, the balance oftentimes falls in between the two um, opposite poles, right? And that's what we're going to be looking at, okay? Acts 13, 43, okay? Uh, now, when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, was urging them to continue in the grace of God. Brothers and sisters, the reason they had to do that, and this is God's word, the reason they had to urge these folk to continue in the grace of God is that there's a possibility that you can discontinue it. Otherwise, there would be no need for that at all. And so that's what we need to understand. As, as wonderful as God's grace is, it's not enslaving. God does not force us to follow him, beloved. He gives us a free moral choice. 2 Corinthians 6, 1, And working together with him, we also urge you not to receive the grace of God in vain. 
Beloved, there's any, we can do just about anything in vain. There's people who partake of the Lord's Supper in vain. Jesus said, in vain do they worship me, teaching for doc, as doctrines of commandments of men. There's a lot of things we can do in vain, and we can actually receive God's grace in a vain way, which means having no real value. It's worthless. It's empty to us. It doesn't change our lives. Galatians 5, 4 here you see their backsliding had already occurred. You have been served from Christ. You are seeking to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. Now, that's God's word, brethren. That's not the preacher's opinion. Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. That no root of bitterness spring up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. Brethren, God's grace is handed to every Christian, to everybody that's willing to come to him, but he may fail to receive it by not putting the faith required in the effort to receive it. There is something we can do and must do on our part. When someone gives you a gift, it is of no benefit unless you take it and use it. How many of us get those Christmas gifts that we kind of put in the closet? You know, you know that, that, that sweater, that... Grandma made for us that's four sizes too big, you know, and uh, what, whatever it is, you know. That's what a lot of people try to do with God's grace. Brethren, God's grace is to be live and appropriate in our lives. Otherwise, it's not God's real grace. And so people will say sometime, and you may have heard this, nothing is required of me since I've been saved by grace. I've talked to a lot of people like that, and they'll, they'll give you something along this line. I know I need to be in church. I know I need to be serving the Lord. I know I need to be living right. I know I'm not living the way God would have me to live. And, and I know I'm not doing all these, but I'm, that's all right. Grace has covered it. I'm fine. Brethren, we better look at what the Bible says about that, okay? You know what people will tell me? They say, brother, you need to understand Ephesians 2.8 says we are saved by grace, period. No. Beloved, finish the sentence. I don't know how many people have told me that. And they want to put the period right there. No, we're not. It says we're saved by grace through faith. God's grace, our faith in God. Biblical faith is always, that from Genesis to Revelation, biblical faith is always an active, working, obedient faith. In fact, James says in chapter 2, verse 26 of his epistle, that faith without works is dead and useless and vain. So, beloved, working for and serving and obeying God does not take away from his grace at all. In fact, the Bible teaches, as we're going to see in another lesson, that that's exactly what God's grace teaches us to do. You say, well, Brother Green, if I, if I serve the Lord, that means I'm trying to work my way to heaven. Luke 17, 10, Jesus says, after you've done all I've commanded you. Have we done that? Have any of us in here done everything that God has commanded of us? He says, after you've done all that, you're still to say to yourself, I am but an unprofitable servant. I've done only that which I ought to have done. Brethren, our serving God does not take away from his grace one iota. It shows him that we understand his grace and that we're grateful for it. So, so uh, somebody said, well, works have nothing to do with earning salvation. That's true, brethren. Paul says that in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10 that we study. But then he goes on to say, because a lot of people want to quote the first part of Ephesians 2, 8, and then leave out verse 10, for we are 
his workmanship. Right after saying we've been saved by his grace. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Do you see the difference here, brethren? And, and we don't want to miss this point. In chapter 2, uh, actually he starts at about verse 1, but, but in there he said, you know what? We're saved by God's grace through our faith in God and not of our own works. So then what works do we are involved in then? If you're in Christ, you're in created, you've been created in Christ Jesus for good work. What kind of good works? Our own? He said, no, we're not saved by our own works, which God prepared. We're doing God's work, brethren. That's the difference. And so, um, good works, and, and, and please note this, if you don't note anything else, good works cannot earn salvation, but there's something biblically wrong if um, Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the forgiveness of your sins. God does that, brothers and sisters, and he does it in the act of baptism. Romans 6, 3 through 6 talks about baptism being a death, burial, and a resurrection, right? And, and, and once we do that, <clears throat> we arise. The old man is crucified with Christ, is dead, is gone. We arise to walk in newness of life. We submit to it, brothers and sisters. God does it. God does the forgiving. God does the uh, killing of the old person and, and the resurrecting of the brand new person, according to Romans 6, 3 through 6. And, and, and Romans 6 says that, that how do you get into Jesus Christ? Romans 8, 1 says you no condemnation for those who are in Christ. How do you get in Christ? Romans 6, verse, uh, beginning about verse 1 all the way down, you know, those who are baptized into Jesus Christ. Galatians three twenty seven. Those who are baptized into Jesus Christ. Brethren, going through those acts of obedience to God takes away from God's grace not one iota. Because who does the saving? Christ. Who does the forgiving? Christ. Who gives the new life? Christ. We submit to it in obedience to God. Brethren, God's saving grace is available in Jesus Christ, and only in Jesus Christ. Who puts us in Christ? God does. When we obediently submit to his will, as the song says, we trust and obey. And so, brethren, baptism is a work of God, not man. We simply do what God says to do. Brethren, God's grace is amazing. We need to understand that. It is truly amazing but we don't want to go outside of his word and allow it to be distorted. It's amazing the way it is. We don't need to add to or take away from it at all. Let's be determined not to do that. And, and beloved, let me say this morning as we close, if you haven't experienced God's amazing grace through the sacrifice of his son on that cross, we'd love to sit down with you this morning and show you from his word and only from his word exactly what God says to do to receive that grace and forgiveness of sins this morning while we stand and sing.